Hello, I'm JP and welcome to the podcast. I'm doing a little series at the moment talking to people like myself who live on their own just to see what it's like to be on your own and living on your own uh, during this pandemic. First up is Louise and she's from Stockton on Tees where she's a local counsellor and a genealogist. I spoke to Louise via Zoom once we'd managed to master the technology. Just check if it's all working. Do you want me to try again? Have you pressed a funny button? No, I let me see what I've got here. Oh, just hang on a minute. I've got an idea what it might be. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Hello, Louise. How are you doing? I'm all right. <laughs> How are you coping? all of this well it's, i was doing all right really but i've had a bit of a wobble in the last week i think really where i live things are getting a bit scary again and in fact just now i had a message come through on my phone to say we're now in a, a high zone or something you've been on your own through this like my well like myself yes. i i was at home with my sister for a long time and now i'm back in London, but I'm back sitting on my own in my living room. Have you been on your own at home then all through this? Since all the March? time. Right. Yeah, all the time. And that has, wasn't too bad in the summer because I could go out and have a walk in the park, perhaps. But with the dark nights coming, I feel now a little bit like I'm a bit lonelier. It'll be harder for me to find people that want to go for a walk if indeed we're even allowed to walk with each other. So yeah. I do feel now for the first time since it all began a bit socially isolated. I think this is the hard point coming in now, isn't it, for yeah. uh, a lot of people who are, you know, living on their own. Like I have shifted my walk from the evening to the afternoon now because, well, simply because it's brighter, which makes the evenings very long then if you're yeah. not doing anything or going out, you know. I have got quite a lot of pals nearby, so I could find people to have a walk with me. But I do think now for the next few months, autumn and then winter, I probably won't see anybody from one day to the next. Yeah, I think that's... Rubbish, yeah, isn't it? Well, I think it's the same for a lot of people, you know, just trapped for the next few months. How long have you lived on your own then? It's the best part of 30 years, I would say. Do you like living on your own? I do. I think people who don't live on their own think it would be really hard and that they can't imagine how it would be. But actually, I think it's great. I get to make all the decisions. I get to make all the choices. I don't have to ask anybody for permission to do anything. And ordinarily, I would say, I don't get lonely. I'm hoping that this slight nervousness I've got about being isolated in extreme months so that doesn't come to pass because ordinarily I never cross my mind to feel lonely I've got lots of pals who I can ring or or now we can go on the computer and wave to each other I looked in my diary the other day JP and there's apart from work there's nothing in it at all yeah. and that's a bit, mm, a bit miserable about that you know I know. I find that, uh, you know, I used to go to things in the evenings, you know, maybe to various classes and things, but now there's nothing. And, and if you're working from home. I you, just work. You just, but you just get up, you sit at home, 
and I force myself to go out for a walk or a run or something and then you come back in and that's it you know you're in your home again <laughs> it's uh I've never spent so much blooming time in my flat <laughs> this isn't actually my living room this is my office this, my living room's downstairs so I try and have a separation right so I come in here every morning at nine o'clock I work all day because I haven't got anything else to do I may do a 12 hour shift then I go downstairs and watch a bit of TV and have me tea and do you watch Candy Crush I've got my routine before I start work in the morning I'll always watch Frasier on Channel 4 they play two episodes it's fantastic well I watch Doctor Who in the evenings at the moment they're rerunning the whole lot from Christopher Eccleston all the way through, and I'm about halfway through Matt Smith at the moment. Right. You're doing so well. I, try, I watch one every night, nearly. You were saying about you do your work during the day. Now, you're a, a local councillor, but I saw on the Twitter you also, you're a DNA detective. I'm a DNA genealogist, really. Most of my clients are people who don't know who their father was. An awful lot of them are elderly people who have lived all their lives without knowing who their father was and are desperate to know. And now they can find out in a way that they couldn't before. So you spit in a little tube, send that kit off to a lab, which is in America. They process it and they send you back a list of all of the people who have also randomly taken the same test and who share DNA with you and are a relative of yours. Now, they might only be a third cousin or a fourth cousin. They might be quite distant. They might live in another country, but they are a relative of yours. And if you get a list with perhaps two or 300 people on who were all relatives of yours, and many of them attached their family tree to their profile, it's possible for somebody like me to look at all of those family trees and those connections and work out where you must fit, which helps them to narrow narrow down who somebody's father is. So a lot of what I do all day, every day, really, is finding people's fathers for them. Oh. And it's always tears, and it's often mine too. Is it? Do you get really involved in, I suppose, every case that comes before you? Well, I'll just tell you about one chap that got in touch with me, Brian, and he is... Um, about 80, and he always wanted to know who his father was. He was brought up by his grandparents. He was born in the war. His mum didn't tell him or didn't know who his father was. And he, and he got in touch with me in about March, I think. And then when the COVID crisis came, he said to me, I'm worried I'll die before you find out who he is. Oh, no oh. pressure there. Anyway, I did eventually work it out and was able to tell him. And he has a half-sister, and she sent me some photographs of their father. So he's now got a picture of the man. If you just can imagine, you spend 80-odd years, the whole of your life, desperate to know something, and there's, there's been no way to find that out till now, really. Yeah. I think during the lockdown, people did become a bit more introspective. I certainly got a lot more people approaching me, asking me to find lost family members, because... They've been spending more time thinking about who they couldn't see and had lost touch with and yeah. a lot of inquiries from people 
I haven't seen such and such a person for a long time and you know where they've gone. You could just feel that people were sitting at home thinking about their lives, thinking about their current lives, their past, missing people in general and then missing people more specifically and then finding people like me online and saying, can you resolve this, please? I want to know that this, that they're all all right. And had you much success for those sort of... Oh, yeah. I'm like the Canadian Mounties, me. I always get my man. <laughs> Talking about family trees and things like that. Have you ever been married or have children or anything like that? Uh, oh yes, I was married a long time ago. We draw a veil in. Oh right. I was I was married at twenty and divorced at twenty-two. It didn't work out then. It wasn't the best of decisions of my life. So sadly, now I don't have any children, but I have my sister's children that I can spoil as their auntie. Did you not bother with uh, relationships after that? Oh, I did. No, I did. Just wasn't right. particularly, wasn't terribly successful. And I had one lovely relationship with a really lovely man that we were hoping to get married, but he sadly died from carbon monoxide poisoning. He had a um, like a park race stove in the front room. Do you know what I mean? Like you open a little glass door and. He was burning smokeless fuel and the the chimney was blocked, but he didn't know because the fuel was smokeless. Instead of the back log of smoke coming into the room so that he would know that the chimney was blocked, there was no smoke, so he didn't realise. So the room slowly filled up with carbon monoxide and killed him. I did spend quite a long time campaigning around, well, I still do, carbon monoxide awareness so that people know that they have to be safe. That probably put me off after that, though, really. What, put you off probably, relationships and things? Yeah. Yeah, right. The shock was terrible. He died in the first week of January, yeah. 1999, and we just spent two weeks together over Christmas and New Year. I waved him off on the month because we didn't live together. He lived a couple of hundred miles away. Mm-hmm. So we had a couple of weeks together. I waved him off on the Monday morning. And he went home and then he, obviously he lit the fire when he got home because it was in the middle of the winter. And then he didn't feel very well and I think we both thought that he had flu, really. And he said he felt sick and I said, do you want me to come down and look after you? And he said, no. He said, I've been sick, I don't need to come and see me like this. And then he didn't answer his phone one one evening and I and I rang his mum and said I'm a bit worried about him and when she went round they found him dead on the sofa I'm afraid. Michael's been 21 years now. I do still think about him and wonder what might have been and occasionally I wonder if we'd have had any children and where would they be now? And would they be going to university? And would I be worrying about them? And the shock, it's very hard to describe, really. The shock was absolutely dreadful. Well, you're a bit angry as well, because it's something that really shouldn't have happened, I suppose. Yeah. I was very angry because 
it's completely avoidable. I'm single bloke and I like being single and I like living on my own and I have done for a long time and it's it's you know it's great but I found at the start of this I kept thinking this wasn't the proper way to live you know to be single because everybody seemed to be uh, with partners and in relationships dealing with this and I it made me feel for the first time that actually being on on your own is very lonely and not that nice. I'm sort of over that now again, but just through that really intense, difficult period, I did, well, to be honest, I thought I thought I was a loser. That's the way I thought about it. Oh, myself. come on, Jake. But I know, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Well, more than that, not only is it ridiculous, but you've forgotten the fact that lots of those people who were at home were deeply unhappy. There would be people coming out of that saying, we're going to have to get divorced. I can't stand you. We know that there's people who struggle just over Christmas, and that's only a week. Imagine if that's right. months and months, people are trapped together. You know, it's make or break for a lot of people. Yeah, I think personally, I think we were quite lucky that we didn't have to go through all that trying to appease somebody else as well. Well, that's that's true. I, you went to I, stay with your sister. I stayed. Well, to be honest, uh, it was back in March, early March, and things started getting really scary and really bad and I would have just sat here my sister rang me up and said next flight home tomorrow get on it you're coming into the spare room here and I just thought uh okay well uh, I should imagine if I was your sister I would have felt the same because we all have a terrible prejudice about London you see which she'd have been thinking he's in London and it'll all be Germany that's right but it was also I think you know just me and my sister being really nice and just thinking about me being on my own so I had a very nice time, actually. I, I was there for, yeah, from March until the beginning of September in the spare room, living out of a, a suitcase. That's amazing to go and live with your sister. You had to learn how to live with other people. It doesn't matter how close you are with somebody or how well you know them. You can't sprawl out on the sofa in the same way in front of the telly <laughs> if you're a visitor. <laughs> you just can't. But it was a nice experience. A really, a really nice experience. This is a question I like to ask. Why do you think you're on your own? I think when you've been on your own for a while, you get, well, I won't say set in your ways, although I probably am set in my ways, but I think there's too much, the compromise seems too big a deal, really, because I do have everything my own way because I only have to please myself. If I start to think, well, I might meet somebody, I think, well, what would I have to give up? I'd have to give my independence up. And I don't know that, really, I can't think who's going to turn up and be sufficiently marvellous to merit me doing that, really. So you'd say you're happy being on your own? Totally. I'm just really, really happy how I am. I do have friends who are by themselves who are not happy and who long for a partner and who would give anything to meet somebody, whereas I think, oh, far too much trouble. Well, what about you? If somebody turned up tomorrow and said, here I am, you perhaps think, well, it'd be nice to go out for a meal and a walk and a drink, but that's as far as I would like it to go. I think I've had a, maybe a couple of opportunities in my life uh, with girlfriends to, you know, 
maybe take that step a bit further down the line. But I probably, I was put off then when things got very, very serious. I think that's when I thought, nah. You backed off. I backed off, yeah, I think so. I think so. And I think that's probably down to the fact that I just like living on my own and I like actually being on my own quite a lot. I like company too. I love going down to the pub for a bit of crack with people and a laugh. But um, I always have to then go home and close the door, you know, behind me and come in and think, yes, <laughs> it's just me. <laughs> and that's, that is a great feeling, I have to say. Well, I, it is. I, I love that feeling. Do you get that as well? Yes. I did discover just over 10 years ago that I liked women as well as men. So then, right. to quote Woody Allen, I had twice the opportunity for a date on a Saturday night. Oh. But um, I still didn't really find anybody that I wanted to give up mm. my happy life to accommodate. Is that something that just happened and you suddenly realised just out of the blue? Yeah, I worked with a woman who I just found that I was very attracted to. Mm. And it was a big surprise. I was like, oh, this is interesting. Where, is this? Where are these feelings coming from? Yeah, it was amazing. So then I thought, well, there you are. There's obviously a spectrum, and, I, and I'm nearer to the middle of it than I, than I knew. So you could meet a male or a female at any point and settle down. You never know. I could. I, I really don't want anybody, but I could conceive of having somebody in my life for social occasions and a bit of comfort, mm-hmm. shall we say. Euphemistically, <laughs> I don't think I would want to, to live with anybody. You're 55, you said, I think. You're just a year older than me. So, you know, we're getting on. So how do you see the future panning out for you? I think I'm, I'm living the happiest life I've ever lived and I could ever live at the moment. I can't be blessings literally every day. So I just would like to carry on this life doing the things that I do, which I absolutely love. I've got lovely family, lovely friends, lovely work, lovely hobbies. I'd just like to carry on like this as long as I can. And on your own. Yeah, well, (laughs) yes! Thanks for listening. And if you've got a story you'd like to tell, do get in touch with me. You can follow me on Twitter at Devlin underscore JP, where you can direct message me, or you can email me jpdevlin at me.com. And I'll see you next time.